Letter twenty six of Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. Clarissa Harlowe, or the History of a Young Lady, Volume five, by Samuel Richardson. Letter twenty six. Mr. Lovelace to John Belford, Esquire. I will now give thee the substance of the dialogue that passed between the two women and the lady. Wonder not that a perverse wife makes a listening husband. The event, however, as thou wilt find, justified the old observation, that listeners seldom hear good of themselves. Conscious of their own demerits, if I may guess by myself, there's ingenuousness, Jack, and fearful of censure, they seldom find themselves disappointed. There is something of sense, after all, in these proverbs, in these phrases, in this wisdom of nations. Mrs. Moore was to be the messenger, but Miss Rawlins began the dialogue. Your spouse, madam. Devil! only to fish for a negative or affirmative declaration. My spouse, madam. Mr. Lovelace, madam, averse that you are married to him, and begs admittance, or your company in the dining-room, to talk upon the subject of the letters he left with you. He is a poor wicked wretch. Let me beg of you, madam, to favour me with your company as often as possible while he is hereabouts, and I remain here. I shall with pleasure attend you, madam, but methinks I could wish you would see the gentleman and hear what he has to say on the subject of the letters. My case is a hard, a very hard one. I am quite bewildered. I know not what to do. I have not a friend in the world that can or will help me. Yet had none but friends till I knew that man. The gentleman neither looks nor talks like a bad man. Not a very bad man, as men go. As men go, poor Miss Rawlins, thought I. And dost thou know how men go? Oh, madam, you know him not. He can put on the appearance of an angel of light, but has a black, a very black heart. Poor I! I could not have thought it, truly. But men are very deceitful nowadays. Nowadays? A fool! Have not her history-books told her that they were always so? Mrs. Moore sighing. I have found it so, I am sure, to my cost. Who knows, but in her time poor Goody Moore may have met with a Lovelace, or a Belford, or some such vile fellow. My little harem scarum beauty knows not what strange histories every woman living, who has had the least independence of will, could tell her, were such to be as communicative as she is. But here's the thing. I have given her cause enough of offence, but not enough to make her hold her tongue. Clarissa. As to the letters he has left with me, I know not what to say to them, but I am resolved never to have anything to say to him. Miss R. If, madam, I may be allowed to say so, I think you carry matters very far. Has he been making a bad cause a good one with you, madam? That he can do with those who know him not. Indeed, I heard him talking, thought not what he said, and am indifferent about it. But what account does he give of himself?' I was pleased to hear this. To arrest, to stop her passion, thought I, in the height of its career, is a charming presage. Then the busy Miss Rawlins fished on, to find out from her either confirmation or disavowal of my story. Was Lord M. my uncle? Did I court her at first with the allowance of her friends, her brother excepted? Had I a rencounter with that brother? Was she so persecuted in favour of a very disagreeable man, one Solmes, as to induce her to throw herself into my protection? None of these were denied. All the objections she could have made were stifled or kept in by the considerations, as she mentioned, that she should stay there but a little while, and that her story was too long, but Miss Rawlins would not be thus easily answered. Miss R. He says, madam, that he could not prevail for marriage till he had consented under a solemn oath to separate beds while your family remained unreconciled. Clarissa. Oh, the wretch! What can be still in his head to endeavour to pass these stories upon strangers? So, no direct denial, thought I. Admirable! All will do by and by. He has owned that an accidental fire had frightened you very much on Wednesday night, and that— 
and that an accidental fire had frightened you very much frightened you last wednesday night then after a short pause in short he owned that he had taken some innocent liberties which might have led to a breach of the oath you had imposed upon him and that this was the cause of your displeasure i would have been glad to see how my charmer then looked to be sure she was at a loss in her own mind to justify herself for resenting so highly an offence so trifling she hesitated did not presently speak when she did she wished that she miss rawlins might never meet with any man who would take such innocent liberties with her miss rawlins pushed further your case to be sure madam is very particular whatever hope of a reconciliation with your own friends is made more distant by your leaving him give me leave to say that tis pity tis pity i suppose the maiden then primmed fanned and blushed tis pity the oath cannot be dispensed with especially as he owns he has not been so strict a liver i could have gone in and kissed the girl you have heard his story mine as i told you before is too long and too melancholy my disorder on seeing the wretch is too great and my time here is too short for me to enter upon it and if he has any end to serve by his own vindication in which i shall not be a personal sufferer let him make himself appear as white as an angel with all my heart my love for her and the excellent character i gave her were then pleaded specious seducer only tell me if i cannot get away from him by some back way how my heart then went pit-a-pat to speak in the female dialect let me look out i heard the sash lifted up whither does that path lead is there no possibility of getting to a coach surely he must deal with some fiend or how could he have found me out cannot i steal to some neighbouring house where i may be concealed till i can get quite away you are good people i have not always been among such oh help me help me ladies with a voice of impatience or i am ruined then pausing is that the way to hendon pointing i suppose is hendon a private place the hampstead coach i am told will carry passengers thither mrs moore i have an honest friend at mill hill devil fetch her thought i where if such be your determination madam and if you think yourself in danger you may be safe i believe anywhere if i can but escape from this man whither does that path lead out yonder what is that town on the right hand called highgate madam miss r on the side of the heath is a little village called north end a kinswoman of mine lives there but her house is small i am not sure she could accommodate such a lady devil take her too thought i i imagined that i had made myself a better interest in these women but the whole sex love plotting and plotters too jack a barn an outhouse a garret will be a palace to me if it will but afford me a refuge from this man her senses thought i are much livelier than mine what a devil have i done that she should be so very implacable i told thee belford all i did was there anything in it so very much amiss such prospects of a family reconciliation before her too to be sure she is a very sensible lady she then espied my new servant walking under the window and asked if he were not one of mine will was on the lookout for old grimes so is the fellow called whom my beloved has dispatched to miss howe and being told that the man she saw was my servant i see said she that there is no escaping unless you madam to miss rawlins i suppose can befriend me till i can get further i have no doubt that the fellow is planted about the house to watch my steps but the wicked wretch his master has no right to control me he shall not hinder me from going where i please i will raise the town upon him if he molests me dear ladies is there no back door for me to get out at while you hold him in talk miss r give me leave to ask you madam is there no room to hope for accommodation had you not better see him he certainly loves you dearly he is a fine gentleman you may exasperate him and make matters more unhappy for yourself oh mrs moore oh miss rawlins you know not the man i wish not to see his face nor to exchange another word with him as long as i live mrs moore 
i don't find miss rawlins that the gentleman has misrepresented anything you see madam to my clarissa how respectful he is not to come in till permitted he certainly loves you dearly pray madam let him talk to you as he wishes to do on the subject of his letters very kind of mrs moore mrs moore thought i is a very good woman i did not curse her then miss rawlins said something but so low that i could not hear what it was thus it was answered i am greatly distressed i know not what to do but mrs moore be so good as to give his letters to him here they are be pleased to tell him that i wish him and lady betty and miss montague a happy meeting he never can want excuses to them for what has happened any more than pretences to those he would delude tell him that he has ruined me in the opinion of my own friends i am for that reason the less solicitous how i appear to his mrs moore then came to me and i being afraid that something would pass meantime between the other two which i should not like took the letters and entered the room and found them retired into the closet my beloved whispering with an air of earnestness to miss rawlins who was all attention her back was towards me and miss rawlins by pulling her sleeve giving intimation of my being there can i have no retirement uninvaded sir said she with indignation as if she were interrupted in some talk her heart was in what business have you here or with me you have your letters have you not i have my dear and let me beg of you to consider what you are about i every moment expect captain tomlinson here upon my soul i do he has promised to keep from your uncle what has happened but what will he think if he find you hold in this strange humour i will endeavour sir to have patience with you for a moment or two while i ask you a few questions before this lady and before mrs moore who just then came in both of whom you have prejudiced in your favour by your specious stories will you say sir that we are married together lay your hand upon your heart and answer me am i your wedded wife i am gone too far thought i to give up for such a push as this home one as it is my dearest soul how can you put such a question it is either for your honour or my own that it should be doubted surely surely madam you cannot have attended to the contents of captain tomlinson's letter she complained often of want of spirits throughout her whole contention and of weakness of person and mind from the fit she had been thrown into but little reason had she for this complaint as i thought who was able to hold me to it as she did i own that i was excessively concerned for her several times you and i vilest of men my name is lovelace madam therefore it is that i call you the vilest of men was this pardonable jack you and i know the truth the whole truth i want not to clear up my reputation with these gentlewomen that is already lost with every one i had most reason to value but let me have this new specimen of what you are capable of say wretch say lovelace if thou hadst rather art thou really and truly my wedded husband say answer without hesitation she trembled with impatient indignation but had a wildness in her manner which i took some advantage of in order to parry this cursed thrust and a cursed thrust it was since had i positively averred it she would never have believed anything i said and had i owned that i was not married i had destroyed my own plot as well with the women as with her and could have no pretence for pursuing her or hindering her from going wheresoever she pleased not that i was ashamed to avert it had it been consistent with policy i would not have thee think me such a milksop neither my dearest love how wildly you talk what would you have me answer it is necessary that i should answer may i not reappeal this to your own breast as well as to captain tomlinson's treaty and letter you know yourself how matters stand between us and captain tomlinson oh wretch is this an answer to my question say are we married or are we not what makes a marriage we all know if it be the union of two hearts there was a turn jack to my utmost grief i must say that we are not since now i see you hate me if it be the completion of marriage to my confusion and regret i must own we are not but my dear will you be pleased to consider what answer half a dozen people whence you came could give to your question 
and do not now in the disorder of your mind and the height of passion bring into question before these gentlewomen a point you have acknowledged before those who know us better i would have whispered her about the treaty with her uncle and about the contents of the captain's letter but retreating and with a rejecting hand keep thy distance man cried the dear insolent to thine own heart i appeal since thou evadest me thus pitifully i own no marriage with thee bear witness ladies i do not and cease to torment me cease to follow me surely surely faulty as i have been i have not deserved to be thus persecuted i resume therefore my former language you have no right to pursue me you know you have not be gone then and leave me to make the best of my hard lot o oh, my dear cruel father said she in a violent fit of grief falling upon her knees and clasping her uplifted hands together thy heavy curse is completed upon thy devoted daughter i am punished dreadfully punished by the very wretch in whom i had placed my wicked confidence by my soul belford the little witch with her words but more by her manner moved me wonder not then that her action her grief her tears set the women into the like compassionate manifestations had i not a cursed task of it the two women withdrew to the further end of the room and whispered a strange case there is no frenzy here i just heard said the charming creature threw her handkerchief over her head and neck continuing kneeling her back towards me and her face hid upon a chair and repeatedly sobbed with grief and passion i took this opportunity to step to the women to keep them steady you see ladies whispering what an unhappy man i am you see what a spirit this dear creature has all all owing to her implacable relations and to her father's curse a curse upon them all they have turned the head of the most charming woman in the world ah sir sir replied miss rawlins whatever be the fault of her relations all is not as it should be between you and her tis plain she does not think herself married tis plain she does not and if you have any value for the poor lady and would not totally deprive her of her senses you had better withdraw and leave to time and cooler consideration the event in your favour she will compel me to this at last i fear miss rawlins i fear she will and then we are both undone for i cannot live without her she knows it too well and she has not a friend who will look upon her this also she knows our marriage when her uncle's friend comes will be proved incontestably but i am ashamed to think i have given her room to believe it no marriage that's what she harps upon well tis a strange case a very strange one said miss rawlins and was going to say further when the angry beauty coming towards the door said mrs moore i beg a word with you and they both stepped into the dining-room i saw her just before put a parcel into her pocket and followed them out for fear she should slip away and stepping to the stairs that she might not go by me will cried i aloud though i knew he was not near pray child to a maid who answered call either of my servants to me she then came up to me with a wrathful countenance do you call your servant sir to hinder me between you from going where i please don't my dearest life misinterpret everything i do can you think me so mean and unworthy as to employ a servant to constrain you i call him to send to the public-houses or inns in this town to inquire after captain tomlinson who may have alighted at some one of them and be now perhaps needlessly adjusting his dress and i would have him come were he to be without clothes god forgive me for i am stabbed to the heart by your cruelty answer was returned that neither of my servants was in the way not in the way said i whither can the dogs be gone oh sir with a scornful air not far i'll warrant one of them was under the window just now according to order i suppose to watch my steps but i will do what i please and go where i please and that to your face god forbid that i should hinder you in anything that you may do with safety to yourself now i verily believe that her design was to slip out in pursuance of the closet whispering between her and miss rawlins perhaps to miss rawlins house she then stepped back to mrs moore and gave her something which proved to be a diamond ring and desired her not whisperingly but with an air of defiance to me that that might be a pledge for her till she defrayed her demands which she should soon find means to do 
having no more money about her than she might have occasion for before she came to an acquaintance's mrs moore would have declined taking it but she would not be denied and then wiping her eyes she put on her gloves nobody has a right to stop me said she i will go whom should i be afraid of her very question charming creature testifying her fear i beg pardon madam turning to mrs moore and curtsying for the trouble i have given you i beg pardon madam to miss rawlins curtsying likewise to her you may both hear of me in a happier hour if such a one fall to my lot and god bless you both struggling with her tears till she sobbed and away was tripping i stepped to the door i put it to and setting my back against it took her struggling hand my dearest life my angel said i why will you thus distress me is this the forgiveness which you so solemnly promised unhand me sir you have no business with me you have no right over me you know you have not but whither whither my dearest love would you go think you not that i will follow you were it to the world's end whither would you go well do you ask me whither i would go who have been the occasion that i have not a friend left but god who knows my innocence and my upright intentions will not wholly abandon me when i am out of your power but while i am in it i cannot expect a gleam of the divine grace of favour to reach me how severe is this how shockingly severe out of your presence my angry fair one i can neither hope for the one nor the other as my cousin montague in the letter you have read observes you are my polar star and my guide and if ever i am to be happy either here or hereafter it must be in and by you she would then have opened the door but i respectfully opposing her begone man begone mr lovelace said she stop not in my way if you would not that i should attempt the window give me passage by the door for once more you have no right to detain me your resentments my dearest life i will own to be well grounded i will acknowledge that i have been all in fault on my knee and down i dropped i ask your pardon and can you refuse to ratify your own promise look forward to the happy prospect before us see you not my lord m and lady sarah longing to bless you for blessing me and their whole family can you take no pleasure in the promised visit of lady betty and my cousin montague and in the protection they offer you if you are dissatisfied with mine have you no wish to see your uncle's friend stay only till captain tomlinson comes receive from him the news of your uncle's compliance with the wishes of both she seemed altogether distressed was ready to sink and forced to lean against the wainscot as i kneeled at her feet a stream of tears at last burst from her less indignant eyes good heaven said she lifting up her lovely face and clasped hands what is at last to be my destiny deliver me from this dangerous man and direct me i know not what to do what i can do nor what i ought to do the women as i had owned our marriage to be but half completed heard nothing in this whole scene to contradict not flagrantly to contradict what i had asserted they believed they saw in her returning temper and staggered resolution a love for me which her indignation had before suppressed and they joined to persuade her to tarry till the captain came and to hear his proposals representing the dangers to which she would be exposed the fatigue she might endure a lady of her appearance unguarded unprotected on the other hand they dwelt upon my declared contrition and on my promises for the performance of which they offered to be bound so much had my kneeling humility affected them women jack tacitly acknowledge the inferiority of their sex in the pride they take to behold a kneeling lover at their feet she turned from me and threw herself into a chair i arose and approached her with reverence my dearest creature said i and was proceeding but with a face glowing with conscious dignity she interrupted me ungenerous ungrateful loveless you know not the value of the heart you have insulted nor can you conceive how much my soul despises your meanness but meanness must ever be the portion of the man who can act vilely the women believing we were likely to be on better terms retired the dear perverse opposed their going but they saw i was desirous of their absence and when they had withdrawn i once more threw myself at her feet and acknowledged my offences implored her forgiveness for this one time 
and promised the most exact circumspection for the future it was impossible for her she said to keep her memory and forgive me what hadst thou seen in the conduct of clarissa harlowe that should encourage such an insult upon her as thou didst dare to make how meanly must thou think of her that thou couldst presume to be so guilty and expect her to be so weak as to forgive thee i besought her to let me read over to her captain tomlinson's letter i was sure it was impossible she could have given it the requisite attention i have given it the requisite attention said she and the other letters too so that what i say is upon deliberation and what have i to fear from my brother and sister they can but complete the ruin of my fortunes with my father and uncles let them and welcome you sir i thank you have lowered my fortunes but i bless god that my mind is not sunk with my fortunes it is on the contrary raised above fortune and above you and for half a word they shall have the estate they envied me for and an acquittal from me of all the expectations from my family that may make them uneasy i lifted up my hands and eyes in silent admiration of her my brother sir may think me ruined to the praise of your character he may think it impossible to be with you and be innocent you have but too well justified their harshest censures by every part of your conduct but now that i have escaped from you and that i am out of the reach of your mysterious devices i will wrap myself up in mine own innocence and then the passionate beauty folded her arms about herself and leave to time and to my future circumspection the re-establishment of my character leave me then sir pursue me not good heaven interrupting her and all this for what had i not yielded to your entreaties forgive me madam you could not have carried further your resentments wretch was it not crime enough to give occasion for those entreaties which thou make a merit to me that thou didst not utterly ruin her whom thou oughtest to have protected begone man turning from me her face crimsoned over with passion see me no more i cannot bear thee in my sight dearest dearest creature if i forgive thee lovelace and there she stopped to endeavour proceeded she to endeavour by premeditation by low contrivances by cries of fire to terrify a poor creature who had consented to take a wretched chance with thee for life for heaven's sake offering to take her repulsing hand as she was flying from me towards the closet what hast thou to do to plead for the sake of heaven in thy favour o darkest of human minds then turning from me wiping her eyes and again turning towards me but her sweet face half aside what difficulties hast thou involved me in that thou hadst a plain path before thee after thou hadst betrayed me into thy power at once my mind takes in the whole of thy crooked behaviour and if thou thinkest of clarissa harlowe as her proud heart tells her thou oughtest to think of her thou wilt seek thy fortunes elsewhere how often hast thou provoked me to tell thee that my soul is above thee for heaven's sake madam for soul's sake which it is in your power to save from perdition forgive me the past offence i am the greatest villain on earth if it was a premeditated one yet i presume not to excuse myself on your mercy i throw myself i will not offer at any plea but that of penitence see but captain tomlinson see but lady betty and my cousin let them plead for me let them be guarantees for my honour if captain tomlinson come while i stay here i may see him but as for you sir dearest creature let me beg of you not to aggravate my offence to the captain when he comes let me beg of you what askest thou it is not that i shall be of party against myself that i shall palliate do not charge me madam interrupted i with villainous premeditation do not give such a construction to my offence as may weaken your uncle's opinion as may strengthen your brother's she flung from me to the further end of the room she could go no further and just then mrs moore came up and told her that dinner was ready and that she had prevailed upon miss rawlins to give her her company you must excuse me mrs moore said she miss rawlins i hope also will but i cannot eat i cannot go down as for you sir i suppose you will think it right to depart hence at least till the gentleman comes whom you expect i respectfully withdrew into the next room that mrs moore might acquaint her i durst not myself that i was her lodger and boarder as whisperingly i desired that she would and meeting miss rawlins in the passage dearest miss rawlins said i stand my friend 
join with mrs moore to pacify my spouse if she has any new flights upon my having taken lodgings and intending to board here i hope she will have more generosity than to think of hindering a gentlewoman from letting her lodgings i suppose mrs moore whom i left with my fair one had apprised her of this before miss rawlins went in for i heard her say while i withheld miss rawlins no indeed he is much mistaken surely he does not think i will they both expostulated with her as i could gather from bits and scraps of what they said for they spake so low that i could not hear any distinct sentence but from the fair perverse whose anger made her louder and to this purpose i heard her deliver herself in answer to different parts of their talk to her good mrs moore dear miss rawlins press me no further i cannot sit down at table with him they said something as i suppose in my behalf oh the insinuating wretch what defence have i against a man who go where i will can turn every one even of the virtuous of my sex in his favour after something else said which i heard not distinctly this is execrable cunning were you to know his wicked heart he is not without hope of engaging you two good persons to second him in the vilest of his machinations how came she thought i at the instant by all this penetration my devil surely does not play me booty if i thought he did i would marry and live honest to be even with him i suppose then they urged the plea which i hinted to miss rawlins at going in that she would not be mrs moore's hindrance for thus she expressed herself he will no doubt pay you your own price you need not question his liberality but one house cannot hold us why if it would did i fly from him to seek refuge among strangers then in answer to somewhat else they pleaded tis a mistake madam i am not reconciled to him i will believe nothing he says has he not given you a flagrant specimen of what a man he is and of what he is capable by the disguises you saw him in my story is too long and my stay here will be but short or i could convince you that my resentments against him are but too well founded i suppose that they pleaded for her leave for my dining with them for she said i have nothing to say to that it is your own house mrs moore it is your own table you may admit whom you please to it only leave me at my liberty to choose my company then in answers i suppose to the offer of sending her up a plate a bit of bread if you please and a glass of water that's all i can swallow at present i am really very much discomposed saw you not how bad i was indignation only could have supported my spirits i have no objections to his dining with you madam added she in reply i suppose to a further question of the same nature but i will not stay a night in the same house where he lodges i presume miss rawlins had told her that she would not stay dinner for she said let me not deprive mrs moore of your company miss rawlins you will not be displeased with his talk he can have no design upon you then i suppose they pleaded what i might say behind her back to make my own story good i care not what he says or what he thinks of me repentance and amendment are all the harm i wish him whatever becomes of me by her accent she wept when she spoke these last words they came out both of them wiping their eyes and would have persuaded me to relinquish the lodgings and to depart till her uncle's friend came but i knew better i did not care to trust the devil well as she and miss howe supposed me to be acquainted with him for finding her out again if once more she escaped me what i am most afraid of is that she will throw herself among her own relations and if she does i am confident they will not be able to withstand her affecting eloquence but yet as thou'lt see the captain's letter to me is admirably calculated to obviate my apprehensions on this score particularly in that passage where it is said that her uncle thinks not himself at liberty to correspond directly with her or to receive applications from her but through captain tomlinson as is strongly implied i must own notwithstanding the revenge i have so solemnly vowed that i would very fain have made for her merit with myself in her returning favour and have owed as little as possible to the mediation of captain tomlinson my pride was concerned in this and this was one of my reasons for not bringing him with me another was that if i were obliged to have recourse to his assistance i should be better able by visiting without him to direct him what to say or do as i should find out the turn of her humour 
I was, however, glad at my heart that Mrs. Moore came up so seasonably with notice that dinner was ready. The fair fugitive was all in all. She had the excuse for withdrawing, I had time to strengthen myself, the captain had time to come, and the lady to cool. Shakespeare advises well. Oppose not rage while rage is in its force, but give it way a while and let it waste. The rising deluge is not stopped with dams, those it o'erbears and drowns the hope of harvest. But wisely managed, its divided strength is sluiced in channels and securely drained, and when its force is spent and unsupplied, the residue with mounds may be restrained, and dry-shod we may pass the naked ford. I went down with the women to dinner. Mrs. Moore sent her fair boarder up a plate, but she only ate a little bit of bread and drank a glass of water. I doubted not but she would keep her word when it was once gone out. Is she not in Harlow? She seems to be inuring herself to hardships which at the worst she can never know, since, though she should ultimately refuse to be obliged to me, or, to express myself more suitable to my own heart, to oblige me, every one who sees her must befriend her. But let me ask thee, Belford, art thou not solicitous for me in relation to the contents of the letter which the angry beauty had written and dispatched away by man and horse, and for what may be Miss Howe's answer to it? Art thou not ready to inquire whether it be not likely that Miss Howe, when she knows of her saucy friend's flight, will be concerned about her letter, which she must know could not be at Wilson's till after that flight, and so probably would fall into my hands? All these things, as thou'lt see in the sequel, are provided for with as much contrivance as human foresight can admit. I have already told thee that Will is upon the lookout for old Grimes. Old Grimes is, it seems, a gossiping, sottish rascal. And if Will can but light of him, I'll answer for the consequence. For has not Will been my servant upwards of seven years? End of letter 26